sometimes that gap never gets filled. Like I have clients calling saying, yeah, but I spent this much, this much, and this much. And I haven't ever done a deal, which boggles mm -hmm. my mind. So mm -hmm. how do we bridge that? We do the deals with them. We get mm -hmm. in the trenches. We're calling buyers and sellers with them. We're doing deals with them, the students, so, so they can learn interactively on the fly. It's the best way to learn. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Passive Cash Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Fragnito, and we have an amazing guest here today. Oh, Chris, I'm not going to try too hard on your last name. I'm just going to go with Chris. <laughs> go ahead, Chris. What do you do? Uh, it's Chris Prefontaine. You're good, buddy. Okay. Um, we're a family company in Rhode Island. It's myself, my son-in-law, my son, and great team surrounding us. But I've been at this 30 years now. Uh, I can age myself with that statement, but that's how long I've been at it. So I've been through cycles since the crash of 08. We have been buying here, and I say here, Connecticut, Massachusetts. And then we go out, partner and mentor and do deals in the trenches with students all over North America. So it's the two different things we do right now. Oh, very cool. Wow. So you've been doing this for over 20 years, you said? 1991, I started, my man. Oh, man, the 90s. Oh, I missed the 90s. <laughs> man, I was watching Nickelodeon during the 90s. I bet. Yeah, I was uh, just figuring out the world. There was slime. Uh, there, I remember there was, what do you do? Oh, man, that was when TV was good. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, right. That's when life was simple. But okay, so what was real estate investing like back in the 90s? Yeah, so 90s was fine. I mean, 90s, I did everything from building homes to a brokerage. Um, I was a realtor back then, sold 100 homes a year. So I did, you know, I was always operating at a higher pace, but all that led to the crash because I was doing my own investments. I sold my company uh, to Cobalt Banker in 2000, my brokerage. And so mm -hmm. from 2000 to 08, I was doing my own deals. Uh, unfortunately, the conventional way, you know, 20% down, signing on bank loans, things like that. I learned the hard way in 08 when things went sideways. Uh, if I was ever going to get get back in the market, what are the rules? Like, how am I going to play? And that's what kind of reinvented us, re-engineered us. It, it sucked then. You couldn't have told me that it was good, but that's why we re-engineered everything we're doing today. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when things are working, when things are going easy peasy, you're not going to challenge yourself. You're not going to pivot your business or make changes. You know, as a small business owner in the last eight months, I've made more changes to my life and my business, uh, you know, and, and uh, than I think we ever have before in the last eight years of uh, running our business. So, yeah. You know, just incredible uh, times here. And if you're not pivoting, if you're not growing with it, then you're uh, possibly not going to make it as a small business owner. So it's, it's uh, so you learn from the crash there. And uh, so you were buying properties the good old fashioned way and putting 20% down. Did you find that you were over leveraged when the crash came or what, what was the uh, issue then at that point? Yeah, certainly. Because we were riding that train, right? And you mm -hmm. think it's an ATM as, as long as I was in the biz, you get caught up in it. You think this ATM is going to keep sailing. No. So when property values got cut, oh gosh, I mean, from a third to two thirds, Condominium development that was selling like hotcakes at like 170, 175, a six unit building. Sold two of them like nothing. It was like a light switch was thrown in February of 08. And those, you couldn't sell us for 50 grand. That was in, that was in mm -hmm. Providence in the city. 50. So you're talking about a big change there. And so if you're on those notes personally and you did that conventionally, you're not too happy right about then. And that was, that was me and about 22 properties. Wow. Wow. That's tough. Wow. So you had, did you have to give some back to the bank or something like that, or you figured out a solution? 
We actually did a number of things. It was a four-year part-time job, almost full-time. It was bank workouts. It was, uh, yes, some gave them back, uh, keep some, rent them out, sell them later. Like, they're done now. But that took about four years, like from February of 08 to, to February of 12, almost to the date, almost to the month. That's how long that mess took to clean up. But again, the, the lessons learned, I mean, you don't learn. You just alluded to it. You don't learn when things are going up. That's the shitty yeah. teacher. Right. You learn when, when headaches happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I see some of these businesses too now that are, are failing in some restaurants that I had been doing in the past or things like that. It's funny. And they didn't adapt. They didn't change properly. They didn't do takeout. They didn't uh, put the net up and do the outdoor seating. And, and I remember I, I've been to some establishments too before the pandemic and they weren't particularly great restaurants either, particularly well run. And some of those is, are what you see, you know, the, door, the doors closing. And so I, I've seen this pandemic is kind of a way of separating poorly run businesses or maybe just mismanaged businesses to the ones that are well managed and can make those changes and make those, uh, you know, adapt their business and, and their strategies to uh, to survive in these difficult times. And you see, you know, with the recession there, the huge real estate recession of 2008, um, you know, you, you adapted, you survived, and now you're a real estate coach. Is that correct? Yeah. And you used two key words, but I can just go back to that. I love what sure. you just said. You said two things that are really cool. One was pivot. It was like a huge word of mine. And then the second one was you said adapt. I mean, the adapting people say, well, how, okay, cool. How do you learn how to do that? People that know how to adapt, you get people that, that have experience. Um, yeah, we do coach, but we do a little different, Aaron. We, mm-hmm. I think there's just a mess of people out there teaching, as you probably would agree. And you get, oh, yeah. you got this like <laughs> gap, I call it from Someone sees a course or takes a course or sees goes to a seminar and then does a deal. Sometimes that gap never gets filled. Like I have clients calling saying, yeah, but I spent this much, this much, and this much. And I haven't ever done a deal, which boggles mm-hmm. my mind. So mm-hmm. how do we bridge that? We do the deals with them. We get mm-hmm. in the trenches. We're calling buyers and sellers with them. We're doing deals with them, the students, so they can learn interactively on the fly. It's the best way to learn. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I can't even count on two hands how many people I've come across that have said, well, I had money to invest in real estate. Then I went to boot camp and gave them $40,000 and I don't have any more money now to, yeah. to invest in real estate. Uh, yeah. By the way, you know, how, how does the refinance work? You know, but, you know, and it, it's just amazing that uh, the, the, uh, really there is such a gap, you know, there's so many talking heads out there in the education space. There's so many gurus, right. And a lot of them are overpriced and a lot of them are going to sell you books and CDs that you can buy on eBay for about $10 and not see, uh, and, uh, it's, it's, yeah, not see, exactly. You know, and that's like the mastery coaching, you know, so it's interesting, uh, but I think you're onto something here with actually helping people holding their hands through deals because every deal is unique in its own way. You know, every market's different too. I, I've seen a lot of people trying to t- teach very specific market uh, techniques in markets that are completely different and don't understand, you know, you have to use different techniques for different markets. Um, and, uh, but that's good. So you're able to hold their hand, kind of get them through the deal. Uh, once you close a few of them, it does get a little easier, of course. Right. Yeah. They, they don't, they're not with us for life to that point. Another good point you make because once you learn it, you don't need us in your life. So we do, we have right. what's called capping out. Right. So yeah. they do so many deals with us and then they cap out and then they're off and running. A lot of them like to hang out and they love the community because it's family oriented, but they don't have to do any revenue sharing or anything with us. They're off and running. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. I like how you bridge that gap. That's great. All right. So let's go uh, back to the future here. Uh, so you were uh, riding high in the 2000s, 
Roots, uh, and uh, you, you kind of uh, got hit with reality in 2008. Uh, we made a little modest, right? Like we all were. And then uh, I actually entered the business around that time. And boy, that was a tough time to learn real estate. Or was it the best time to enter real estate? I'm, I'm still not sure. <laughs> Probably a good foundation. Um, uh, my son, Nick, joined yeah. me in uh, 08, actually, uh, similar to, to yeah. your entry. Probably that was a lot of good lessons there that you probably never forgot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just wish I had more capital to buy real estate in 2010. <laughs> Instead, I was uh, broke and started, but that's always a good time. Good time to learn the hustle, learn uh, how to find deals, uh, learn from other people doing deals, which is very interesting. And I learned from their mistakes as well. Um, and uh, okay, so you were able to start to grow out. Now, did you have the same, uh, what, what, would you, what did you change about your investment strategy then after the crash? Yeah. So I was a little spent. I almost didn't get back in quite frankly. So I was doing some speaking around the country, actually around the world and then for a different industry. And then I said, okay, if I was to do this again, I had stuff left over, but if I was to go at it aggressively again, what would be the rules? So to speak, Mm -hmm. it was um, no bank loans that I had to sign personally on. Um, Mm. It was no borrowing, frankly, period. We buy everything on terms uh, subject to owner financing and lease purchase. Um, So at any one time, I'll give you a snapshot today. At any one time, we control 70 or 80 million with ourselves and our students, and we are not on and never will be on one single solitary loan. That makes me sleep better than it did 08 to 12 when I was on every single loan. Mm-hmm. And when things change, they come knocking on my door. So it's just one of the, one of the many rules. So we just don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I, I agree. The personal guarantee is definitely a high risk uh, maneuver. You know, we do it to get good terms on the loan. We do it because we have to on any loans really below 2 million or other types of uh, debt. But um, ultimately, our goal is to get to such a large amount of, of personally guaranteed debt that we can have one large institution essentially take out the debt and move it to a non-personally guaranteed loan over time. And uh, that is our goal. But that's a good strategy. You know, to not PG debt, to work out the owner financing is, is hugely important. For our listeners that don't, aren't familiar with owner financing, uh, go ahead, Chris, what is owner financing? Well, there's different niches within that niche. I'll tell you what we focus on within the owner financing niche. We focus on free and clear, Aaron. So we're dealing mm-hmm. with sellers that have no mortgage. They have time. They're not. They're interested in price, but they don't care about the term. And then we structure mm-hmm. 97% of those, almost all of them, on principal-only payments over time. So I just hung up uh, with a, one of my students who did a 10-year owner financing deal, principal-only pay down. You, you start doing the math on that compared to an amortized mortgage, it's crazy. And that helps you be recession resistant. That helps you buffer and it helps you hammer down principal. So for us, it's we buy a property. Uh, you're the seller. You're going to hold the paper. There is no bank. So I'm paying you every month, but I'm paying you in most of those deals, principal only every single month. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that. And you pay down the principal over time. That's and nice. That's yeah. nice. Add a 10-year amortization. That's a quick pay down, really. In the, Actually, in the yeah. Estate. Okay. So let me clarify. So we don't take um, 2010, five, like this building I'm in now, it's my office building. Mm-hmm. This is a 20-year deal that we mm-hmm. did do principal only, and then we amortize it So because that's what he wanted. We both kind of did a quasi-variable deal there. Mm-hmm. But most of our residential deals that we're doing with our students and ourselves are not amortized over that. They're just going to be a four or a 10 or a 20, and then a balloon. So you have principal pay down and then whatever's left at the end. Sure, sure. Absolutely. And idea, I, the idea is to sell the property or uh, refinance or, or what would be the exit strategy ultimately? Uh, all of ours, again, all exceptions, right? As we build a portfolio, but we ex- when we want to exit, we exit on a rent own. So we're mm-hmm. going to bring in a buyer that needs time during COVID that is rampant. There are buyers, especially in the jumbo loan uh, category, that can't mm-hmm. go out and get the same loan if they can even get it. They need time either right. to save more for reserves, which is happening a lot, 
or mm-hmm. to improve credit, which is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Rates are great. I get it. But they push the buyer up. So a lot of people can't get to them. Yeah. 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 We've been able to get around a lot of those additional uh, cash requirements or, you know, not as attractive rates by or terms just in general with the COVID uh, by having good relationships with banks. But it's gotten harder. We've had to shop around a little more. We've had to pull out of the bag a few more, you know, relationships and, and uh, tricks of the trade to um, keep our, our terms decent. Uh, but overall, you know, we've had pr- really good relationships with banks and that's allowed us to continue to, to buy more and, and get decent, you know, good quality, low debt. Um, you know, I, I am kind of of the opinion and I haven't had the experience you've had with, with 2008 there, but I'm of the opinion that real estate took a big hit. 2008 it was a real estate collapse, it was a real estate recession and markets go up and down. Real estate, of course, will go up and down, but I don't think we're going to see a third or a two thirds drop uh, like we did in 2008, uh, even with everything going on right now. Uh, what does your uh, crystal ball tell you? Yeah, I was going to say, I wish I, I agree with you, but you know, the billionaires don't know. So I, you and I can, we, we agree on this, but we don't know. No one knows. I, I was being coached at the beginning of the year by Jack Robbins, Tony Robbins' son. And he said to me in one of our calls, Hey, yeah, my dad was hanging out with Ray Dalio and they said even, you know, they don't know where it's going. Billionaires don't, nobody knows. I wish I did. If you and I knew we'd be on the beach somewhere for good, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, what I see is people still need a roof over their head. There's not enough real estate, at least in the markets I'm dabbling in, in New Jersey and, uh, you know, New England. There's just no good inventory. If we flip a house, we renovate it the right way and put it on the market for a decent price. We have six or seven offers. Yeah, it's right. it's interesting right now. We have a vacant unit come up. It gets leased in a in a couple of weeks, even with all the COVID restrictions for open houses and stuff. Yep. Um, you know, as long as you don't price yourself out of the market, you make your money when you buy. You know, you work in higher demand markets. You know, with decent population centers. I I feel like real estate holds its demands. Um, and I feel like we're also going. We're also weary of that bubble again, right? Seeing those, everyone's saying screaming bubble since 2016, since we've been really out of the, out of the red and into the black with real estate values. And you know, as soon as they started to kind of grow above where they were before, everyone's seeing bubble, bubble, bubble. But I feel like the assets had a lot of room to catch up to what they had lost. Just you know, I'm still buying real estate. I'm buying a two-family for 285 right now. The guy paid 250 for it. Uh, 10 years ago and put probably $25,000 into it. So I'm thinking to myself, am I getting a great deal or is the market, you know, it's hard to understand, but, um, you know, we're buying real estate for what it was going for 10 years ago. It's hard to think you can go wrong with that, you know, unless real estate. I I love what you said earlier that everybody's screaming, oh, well, good, because that causes panic. And then that means opportunity. Unfortunately, for the people that are following the media and panicking, I, I would suggest just don't watch the media. Just go by, oh, yeah. go by your own pulse, go by real estate podcasts, go by real estate experience. Don't go by the media because it's going to drive you crazy. Oh, the media is just made, made to scare you. The media is no longer an information source that's here to help us. They're right. here to get you to click on their, you know, whatever they're um, offering you that day. And it's, you know, it's either red or blue or somewhere in the middle. It's all there to scare you and make you click some more and, and get their numbers up. So it's a shame that we don't really have the media anymore. We don't really have journalists anymore. I remember back in the 90s, we did have what I what appeared to be journalists, what appeared to be media. I know we're getting a little off, off topic here, but I think that is playing a role in just you know how how divided we've got as a country and also how divided the, the, the media is and how it's no longer a place of, of trustworthy information. It's a it's a 
click, um, you know, click funnel, it's whatever it's clickbait as they call it. And I think that does lead to a lot of misunderstood, um, investment strategies, a lot of mistakes in investing, you know, a lot of people that read something on the internet and then sell all their stocks or sell the real estate, you know, or vice versa, go invest in, you know, a risky strategy. Um, and, uh, you know, people have to be careful with that. I, I, uh, I you always say, if it's on CNBC, then it's too late, you know, to invest in that city. Anything, yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. Everyone already knows about it. You know? <laughs> All right. So, um, okay. So what are you, what's your strategy then going forward uh, into 2021 here? What's your investment strategy? Uh, the terms was built, as we talked about at the beginning of the show, to weather the storms. That's why I did it, um, having done that several times, having gone through this, not just the storms, but the market cycles. So it doesn't matter what happens. If it keeps booming, great. If it's if it goes flat, great. If it drops, great. We'll just pivot between the sub two, the lease purchase, and the owner financing. That's all. It by far is one of the better strategies to thrive if you're an active in the trenches investor like that. No question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so you're in a good spot. Doing. Just pivot. Yeah. Pivot as we go. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, I always say I, I, I really actually welcome foreclosures starting up again. I, I welcome the eviction courts opening again. We need these things in place because there has to be a line in the sand. You know, we can't just give, you know, free uh, housing to everyone. The, 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 the foreclosures have to happen so the sellers feel the motivation and put their house on the market. That allows more inventory to be on the market. So investors can start to buy those houses, fix them up and sell them to people who can afford them. And same with uh, eviction court. We have to have that a tool as a landlord to be able to remove someone for your property who isn't following the terms of the lease or isn't paying the rent. And once that tool is back in our pocket, um, although it's something we try to avoid every step of the way, without that ultimate threat, you know, it, it is hard to, to manage your, your uh, collections on properties, although we're doing very well with it these days. Have you found that collections have remained strong through this time or have you had trouble with that? Uh, okay, so here's the distinction. As you were saying that, I'm thinking through. I'm glad you asked because we, when I say we deal with rent own, we're putting buyers in homes that that because of COVID and pre-COVID need time. That's different than a renter mentality. So out of 50 some of our properties, we have two that were headaches because directly related to COVID. Um, you know, lost job mm-hmm. literally. They're not they're not playing an act through it. So we're dealing with buyers. They want to keep things current. They want to improve. They want to get on the track to get a mortgage. They can't mess that up. And so there's a, there's a far, mm-hmm. uh, there's a big difference there from rental property to rent to own. And you can balance both those if you want to balance mm-hmm. your portfolio, but they're, they're both cool. But the ones that are the buyers aren't going to just skate on you because COVID's happening and they want to, you know, have a wall behind it. And I'm not saying people aren't affected by it. We had two that were drastically mm-hmm. affected by it. They had to leave. I get it. But there's other people that are using yeah. the system, as you said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We even had some tenants that actually uh, got COVID, you know, it, it was because uh, in New Jersey, it was pretty rampant. And, um, yeah. you know, we work yeah. with all of our tenants. We had tenants that lost their job. We have tenants that obviously had financial difficulty, but um, we were able to, st- you know, keep around 90% collections, uh, even though we're re- usually around 98 or so, but still, you know, a little over 90% collections. So, you know, we try to work with all of our tenants, payment plans, uh, understanding, you know, putting them in touch with all the uh, nonprofit and government resources to help them pay their rent at this time by guiding them to these resources. It really works out not only in the tenant's favor, but also in the landlord's favor to be able to collect that rent and cover your costs and, and keep yeah, your business sure. running. Yeah, sure. Be absolutely. proactive, I guess, is the lesson there. Yeah, be proactive, communicate with your tenants, you know, treat your tenants with respect first and a happy tenant will equal a happy investor. I know, so we find over here, that's one of our, uh, one of our mottos. I should probably write that on the wall. Huh? What do you think? <laughs> right behind you there. 
<laughs> there we go. Absolutely. All right, Chris. So uh, we're getting towards the end of our podcast here. How can people reach out to you and learn more about what you do? Yeah, just go to smartrealestatecoach.com. If you mind listening to me babble for another half hour, there's a free webinar there. Uh, we can also, Aaron, if you want, give our uh, book. It won't be the hard copy, but the Amazon bestseller, we can give an electronic link if you want me to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Shoot me that link after the show. I'll put it in the show notes. It'll be on YouTube and all the podcast platforms. And uh, we'll uh, be sure to send some traffic there. And anyone who's listening can click uh, that link there and uh, get check out Chris's book, which is very exciting. I'll have to take a look myself there. And of course, my name is uh, Aaron Fragnita. I'm co-owner of People's Capital Group and the uh, host here of the Passive Cashflow Podcast. And you can learn more about People's Capital Group at peoplescapitalgroup.com and how we work with passive investors to buy apartment buildings and short-term rentals and how they get the benefits of owning real estate without having the headaches of managing it day to day. And uh, that's what we do here at People's Capital Group. So Chris, one more time, how can people find you? Sure. SmartRealEstateCoach.com. Simple. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thank you for listening. Enjoy your day. 